This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. My name's Chris and I'm an alcoholic and this is the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who's an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest, Stacy, to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other, that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thank you, Stacey. So what is alcoholism? Well, alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer from cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic... We can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognize it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, 
For anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share her experience with alcoholism. So, would you like to introduce yourself, Stacey, and give us a quick sketch of who you are, well, roughly your, your, your age, occupation, if you like, how long you've been sober, your family, things like that, where you're from, where you were raised? Hi, I'm Stacey. I'm an alcoholic. I am 37. I got sober on the 10th of June 2007, so I am 14 years sober. I was 23 when I got sober. I, at current, do not have an occupation. I am a full-time mother. Um, yeah, alcoholism runs in my family, and I'm grateful I found AA. Okay. So roughly what age did you think you started drinking, and how did it progress in you? I was 14 when I first got drunk, but my dad used to brew beer, so I would sneak sips or open the bottle for him and, like, you know, sip the foam. And it was always something that intrigued me and that I, like, just thought too much about, like, when's he going to finish his beer so I can go get another one and am I allowed a little bit and all that stuff. And the first time I actually got drunk, I was 14 and I had found the missing piece. I was like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to be. This is how pretty I am. This is how confident I am. This is how funny I am. Everyone, including me, has just been missing out on this great person all these years. Then the second time I got drunk, I was in a gutter covered in vomit and strangers had to take me home. So it was like, you know, and then for years I just tried to get back to that first drunk. Yeah. Mm. So... Over the years, did you drink socially? Did you drink alone? You drink in pubs? You drink at home? I don't... Oh, socially, I guess, because I was so young, because I stopped at 23, it was always parties, but it was never socially. Like, I never knew the concept of just having a drink to enjoy a drink. I didn't... Actually, I didn't know until I came to AA that people actually did that. I didn't know that everybody that I saw out for dinner having a wine, wasn't getting drunk. Because why else would you bother? There's plenty of other good-tasting drinks out there. Like, if you're not going to get drunk, I don't see what the point was. So, yeah, no, not yeah. social. And did and did you ever feel that it was a problem? Did you try and stop? No, actually. I um, I knew I was broken because I, I was brought up in an alcoholic family and my father got sober nine years before I got sober, so I was about, I was 14 actually when I, he got sober. So I knew I was messed up. I was brought up in an alcoholic home and I was depressed and I was in counselling since 13 and I did family of origin courses and I was a daily pot smoker so I thought maybe it was the drugs. and But it didn't really occur to me that it was drinking. But I knew that there was something fundamentally wrong with me and it wasn't until... I literally was just standing at work one day and went, oh, my God, I think I'm an alcoholic. And I've been sober since. So with your dad in the program, it wouldn't have been difficult to find your way to AA? No. He, luckily for me, was never preachy. He never suggested I was an alcoholic, never offered to take me to a meeting. And he saw me in some states, you know, with the obligation, once a week coffee with your dad kind of thing when you're a teenager that you do. And, you know, I just... Yeah, he never pushed it on me, but I just texted him and said, I need to go to a meeting. He picked me up, he took me to a meeting, and he said, meet the woman, you're on your own. And we didn't actually go to another meeting together for 
about three years because he wanted me to just be able to share. Yeah. So you didn't have to go through any agencies or... No. Luckily, I had a great example of what this program can do. So what were the other AA members like, apart from your dad, other AA members in the program? What were they like for you? Very supportive. Like, I remember... Because Dad had a couple of good woman friends that were in the program and one of them came up to me after the meeting and just said, I'll pick you up tomorrow. And I was went, oh, but I've already been today. Like, okay. And then that just kept happening. People just kept doing that. And then when I found a sponsor, I had someone I could contact and then there was people roughly my, like, age that I met. That's one in particular still stayed sober. She's 14 years sober now as well. And... So there was a few people in that beginning that I just clung on to and, yeah, really fellowshipped with, so that helped. So you, you said that you were standing at work and you thought, oh, no, I'm an alcoholic, but what, was, what led up to that? What, Honestly, did... it was actually just that. It was such a, what I see now as like a spiritual awakening light bulb moment. It was like a lightning bolt. I was, I got drunk on the Saturday night and it was equally as embarrassing as every other weekend, equally as blackout, equally as the next day, my flatmates, you did this, you did this, and it just felt different, and I don't know why, and then when I was at work on Monday, I was just standing there, and it just hit me, I just went, oh my god, I think this is my problem, and I walked out of where I was working, went straight to my locker, text my dad, and that was it, like, if you had told me 10 minutes before that that night I would have been in an AA meeting, I would have been like, hmm. I think I've got a few more years, you know. <laughs> I'm not quite that miserable yet, but it just—I have no—I don't know. Like it was, yeah, 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 unexpected. And so, what would you say that you've done over the years to stay sober? What's been your process and program? The suggested program, the steps. I got a sponsor early on. I got someone that I didn't want to be friends with. I got someone that I didn't necessarily even like her personality too much. To be fair. Um, she's an amazing woman and I love her, but she has the recovery I wanted. She had the knowledge of the big book. She had peace of mind. Um, and I saw her more as an authority figure. I'm not someone that needs coddling and needs like the gentle kind of way. I needed the do this. I know there's suggestions, but I needed to be told I have expectations of you. I expect you to do the steps. I expect them in this time frame and do that. So I did. So I did, and I have not stopped doing what has been suggested. Okay. How do you cope with difficulties in your in your life? I use the strategies that I've been taught and practiced consistently in this program. So like my father passed away just over a year ago, and as a direct result of that, I have been able to still function, <laughs> you know, like... Another one of those surprising things that I think, I, it just shows me I don't necessarily know how things are going to work out. We were super, super close. He was 22 years sober when he died, and I really thought it would be fetal position, crying, how am I going to cope? I don't remember the last time I went half a day without talking to him, let alone literally forever, you know, like forever. I will never see him again, and I just thought oh, that's too much, and it's actually been insanely joyful and talking with my kids and remembering him and the love, and and that's all because 
He did the emotional work. I've done the emotional work. We could talk about it. There was nothing left unsaid. I just miss him. And I don't have to fall apart. I can not even act better than I feel because I actually feel good because I'm now well. I'm not a crazy person just gripping, trying to get through life. I've done the work and I've cleared the wreckage and I know I can choose to behave now and choose to do the right thing so I don't have to spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how important has service been as part of your recovery? In the early days, it was very important, especially for a while there where my program was a bit hairy around year six, seven. If I didn't have that secretary opening the door service position to that one meeting a week, I don't know if I would have gone to that one meeting a week, you know. So in that regard, it's been really good. Um, Yeah, at the moment, I don't have, I can only do like secretary baseline service positions. I'm busy, I have three kids, I do other stuff. But then it's like once they're grown and that, then I'll be able to do more service. So I think it just ebbs and flows. It's At the moment I can do, I can unlock a door and I can make phone calls. But later down the track, I'll be able to do travel and other stuff more. Yeah, good. So how would you actually describe yourself in the life you have today? Happy. Inner changes? Oh, yeah, I'm happy. Like I'm emotionally unrecognisable to the person that I was. I I just was um, thinking about it last night actually. But I never used to be able to make eye contact with people. And if I did, I'd instantly go read. Like I just couldn't handle it. And then I'd feel myself burning and then they'd be looking at me and then I'd, you know, it was just, and at work, like, oh, work. And then work parties and I'd see this other person that was like fun comp. They're like, oh, she seems like a cool chick. Then they'd try and talk to me and I'm just like, I just hated myself so much. Like I just, the amount of self-loathing, I didn't believe I was worthy of actually being liked and that's not the case at all today like I'm my biggest advocate today I'm like I'm a really great person like you'd be lucky to have me in your life you know (laughs) and not even in an ego way just in I know my worth you know but I've done the work to know my worth you know this just hasn't I haven't just sat in a meeting you know I've done a lot of outside a lot of outside work I've done a lot of meetings I've done a lot of step work I've done a lot of working with others newcomers you know talking to people I I'm willing to be teachable and keep growing now can I just get you to clarify what you mean by outside work outside so therapy so I for things that are not my alcoholism like childhood traumas or other things like that I have had to seek different services to help in those areas specifically. Right. So have you got goals for the future? Oh, my God, no. I don't. I'm not that – I don't. No, I'm not a five-year plan kind of what am I going to be when I grow up type person. I just – I'm really good at living in the day. And I know roughly where I want to head, but – who knows what will come up in the meantime. I'm just open to, you know, my youngest is three, so I'm just doing that for now, and we'll see. Yeah. It's a lovely way to live, isn't it? It really is. So, AA is described as a spiritual program. What does that mean to you? What does spirituality mean to you? How would you describe it? Spirituality to me is just I'm not it. You know, I'm not the big 
decider of everything and what a relief that is you know so to me I have a higher power a spirituality that changes based on kind of what I need like in the beginning it was very it just had to be simple you know and as time's gone on I've refined it and it's not and it doesn't necessarily vibe with some of the things in our book or some of the things other people say but it were and that's the great thing is that it works for me it doesn't have to work for anyone else you know I have a higher power that I trust today and if it's not working I change it it's that simple and I really really love that I don't have to conform to any sort of higher power I can have my own concept and to me that is the biggest gift of this really so if you if anybody was to ask you you know to say to you they think they have a drinking problem what would you suggest to them what advice would you give them I would probably talk a bit more because I've got a drinking problem there's a lot of heavy drinkers can look like alcoholics and they're not necessarily so I think what I would do is just say oh I used to drink heavily too and this is how it made me because feelings are the main thing that kind of bind an alcoholic like of your race your gender your socioeconomic standing wherever we kind of have similar emotional traits you know so I think I'd talk about how how I felt and how it affected me and my lack of control and then if they vibed with that then I'd say well this is what I did I went to AA and and then go from there but yeah not if they weren't interested. You can't force something. So it's very mm. much a conversation that organically flowing. Yeah, mm. like I'm not, I'm not preachy because I know if someone was preachy with me, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't yeah. be here today. Yeah. I would have rebelled. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Well, look, Stacey, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thanks. You, you, you okay with that? And to, <laughs> yeah. for our listeners. If you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about AA, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We'll now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. So God, God grant, grant me the serenity, serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.